Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Corn Rose Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. I always want to hear your feedback. And, of course, read us over at Indy Cornrows. Um, you know, today we have uh, – we're in the in the midst of a break between games uh, for a hot second. We have our – I think it's our – I'm looking at my calendar. I think this is the first series we have uh, up against the Toronto Raptors starting tomorrow. Tip-off that move to 1 p.m. Uh, so good, good for me, bad for some of you because you don't want to be ready to do stuff that early. That gives me plenty of time to do stuff. And then we have a game coming up on Monday as well. It's a back-to-back. Um, so I'm psyched to be joined by Chris Walder, um, host of the Walder Sportscast. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today, man? Oh, you know, Mark, just living the dream, the, the COVID-19 dream, just trying to kill time most days and got my podcast to do on the side. But I'm happy to be here with you to talk some Raptors and Pacers. This is the most I'll probably talk about the Indiana Pacers the entire season. You know, that's that's not the first time I've heard that. I'm sure it's not the last time I'll hear that, but uh Hey, I mean, the Pacers right now, nine and six, tied for second in the East. Toronto's coming in at a very nice six and nine headed into the uh, end of the series. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I've kept I'm pretty good at keeping tabs around the league. I run some stuff uh, covering the league at large outside of this as well. Um, so it's kind of my job to do it. Um, I think I've seen probably six or seven Raptors games. I've, I've talked to quite a few of my friends around the league who cover them, too. Um, but I, I just want to ask you, you know, right off the bat, what are your kind of thoughts on where this team is at right now, uh, how they've played so far this year, obviously they've played a little bit better of late, uh, four and three over the last seven games, which is still not, you know, compared to how they've been the last couple of years, it's not as good. But uh, yeah, just where are you kind of at on them right now? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, shout out to you for saying the very nice record of six and nine for the I Toronto listened to Raptors. No Dunks for way too long to uh, to not ever put in a nice when there's a six and nine. So You should have done it in a Borat voice, just saying next time, if you, you go with the joke, you go full out with the I joke. I do. I'll have to, I haven't seen the second Borat. I have to see the second Borat still. It's, it's very good. God, I'm going to ramble on about that movie. But to answer your question uh, about the Toronto Raptors, yeah, it's been a weird season. I mean, kind of entering the campaign uh my expectations were a little bit lowered obviously we had mm-hmm. a, a pretty rough off season losing Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul to both of the LA teams respectively and especially Serge Ibaka reuniting with Kawhi Leonard you know seeing two of our boys who were part of the championship team t- two key components uh it was it was heart-wrenching you know and Marcus Saul was obviously one of our best interior defenders one of our best passers in the paint. So two huge blows. So it was kind of like, how are we going to fill that void? And you see kind of like these, these lesser signings, Aaron Baines, Alex Len, who's obviously not with the team anymore. And we got some production from them. Not, not as much as we had hoped, obviously Len's out of the picture now, but Chris Boucher has kind of grown into this stud overnight. You know, I, I was riding the Chris Boucher bandwagon long before all of this happened. So I'm happy to see him kind of excelling at this rate, but Honestly, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I pegged the Raptors to still be in the top, top echelon in the Eastern Conference. Maybe not the very top, but kind of like in the middle of the pack. And I still expect them to kind of regroup and, and enter that fray again. But right now, it's 
it's been a really difficult run for them. They've kind of come together as of late. And if a couple of shots fall from Pascal Siakam, then their record is a lot different. You know, a couple of one point losses to the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. So I think they're kind of working their way out of this rut. But at the same time, it's it's been weird watching them play basketball. The, the circumstances behind the season with no fans, with the team not playing in Toronto, I think it's kind of taken an emotional toll on them. And you could see it with the way they're playing on the court. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great way to put it. I mean, I think coming into the year as well, I had them pegged. I think I put them at six. Then I also I had Indy at seven, uh, to be honest. I mean, I they've surpassed my expectations already this year. Um, but I think it, it's it's kind of funny. I think like you were mentioning with, with Pascal and, you know, maybe if a couple of shots fall differently, like right now, uh, the expected win loss is, you know, eight and seven, which is would put them, you know, right around sixth in the East. Uh, they have the 11th best net rating. So, again, like right around six in the East. So things like when it's so volatile early on in the season, it's easy for, you know, things to kind of get skewed one way or another. Um, you know, with with Pascal, it's interesting. I, I was talking to I don't know if you're aware of Robel. He's pretty 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 big on, on Raptors Twitter he's one of my friends he covers the draft he has a YouTube channel and I think he lives in either Quebec or Toronto but I was talking yeah, sure to do him. yeah yeah okay all right I was talking to him the other day uh, about Pascal um and I think it's really interesting because uh you know with Pascal I don't know where you're at uh, on Pascal but I uh obviously his ascension was insane you know going from in I think 16 17 he's a, a bench player who guards LeBron in the playoffs to 17 18 um He's, uh, you know, a starter and he's playing well. And 18, 19, he's the, the second or th- I'll probably third best, second highest score, but definitely not as good as, as Lowry yet, but um, develops into that really quality player. And obviously last year becomes all an all-star. Um, and then this year, I think there was an expectation that he would have jumped to another level. I personally didn't have that expectation just because I think that's, that's a lot, but I think the, I've seen a lot of discourse because I have a lot of mutuals on Raptors Twitter um, based on, you know, how Pascal has played to start the year. Um, and obviously, you know, it, it hasn't been fantastic. I think he's like you mentioned, he's right at the ship a little bit of late. But um, where are you kind of at on his, his development and uh, whether or not he's kind of stagnated so far this year? Yeah, it's been a, a wonky road for Pascal Siakam. Obviously, he had a pretty horrible bubble. And I think yeah. that kind of left a, a stench. For a lot of fans out there, I mean, he, he's gotten a lot of grief on Twitter this year, even from certain members of Raptors Twitter. Usually we're pretty good with with defending all of our guys, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not the, the ones that you'll see regularly on social media. But a lot of people have kind of come out of the woodwork and are thrashing this guy because this is a guy who obviously from season to season to season has shown exponential growth, you know, going from a guy who couldn't see the floor from the second unit to an all-star starter to a a most improved player. And of course, an NBA champion. I think a lot of it is in his head. I think he's kind of come out and admitted that, you know, some of the backlash he receives on social media, he's doing his best to, to drown it out. And obviously with his new extension, he's getting paid like the number one option on the Toronto Raptors. You could still make the case that this team rise or dies with Kyle Lowry as their number one, but Pascal Siakam is clearly the future of this team and when things were going south people were throwing his name out there as a potential trading chip for a guy like James Harden before he went to the Brooklyn Nets so I'm happy to see him kind of gaining his confidence back slowly but surely I think when his shot isn't falling he still needs to kind of bring it on the defensive end and Nick Nurse kind of expects that from a majority of the team but 
with with Siakam, you know, uh, his game can kind of be one dimensional at times. He can kind of get stuck in, you know, spinning into the lane and throwing up crazy shots and trying to draw contact and trying to get to the free throw line, which has been easier said than done this year. I remember I remember uh, recently Worldwide Wob, you know, one of the biggest Twitter yeah. accounts out there was mocking him by just spinning in his chair. Uh, you know, because that was one of the final shots. I forget if it was the Blazers game or the Warriors game, but he kind of spun. In, in his opinion, it was unnecessary, and he, he made fun of that. But with Pascal Siakam, I, I think, you know, just the fact that he's gotten as good as he has in such a quick amount of time, people expect him to continue to grow. And we just kind of have to come to the realization that maybe he has peaked and maybe there's still room for him to improve. But at the end of the day, he's the number one guy for the Raptors. And uh, if he's playing poorly, then it's going to show in the standings. And so far that's been the case. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I think that's a great way to put it. And also, yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was the golden state game because that was the, the, he could have had the game winning shot and it was on kind of a half spin and faded uh, right around the free throw line. Um, and actually, because that one got really heavily clowned, I, I honestly thought that was a good shot considering, you know, it was out of bounds play. The, the play was drawn up for him and just get his own shot. And he, he generated space. Like, I mean, that's all you can do when you have that little time left. I mean, if you get a shot where you have space to actually get it off, I mean, that's something. So they don't always fall. And I, I think the ones that don't fall sometimes get remembered more than the ones that do, but, um, if it goes in, he's everyone's favorite player. Exactly. You know, he's getting exactly. all the praise on Twitter. Everyone shuts the hell up. But the fact that he missed that one and then a second one, it, it, he becomes public enemy one overnight. Like, give me a break. Yeah, no, I agree. I, okay, I appreciate that you're coming from it on uh, on this angle because that's how I feel too. Um, that happens with the Pacers a lot. You know, it's it's funny because Miles Turner used to be like just the curmudgeon of, uh, of Pacers Twitter. You know, if um, – if, if any game went poorly, it was Miles Turner's fault. And now, uh, I mean, he's probably the front runner for the defensive player of the year this year. He's having a really damn good year and uh, he can't do anything wrong. Uh, so it's just, it's funny how th- that kind of dichotomy works out with fans. Cause I think I, I'm, I'm much less of a fan than I just like an observer of the game. So it's, it's interesting kind of like standing back and, and seeing some of that stuff and how it unfolds a little bit. Um, so another guy though, looking at OG Ananobi, uh, he was obviously another guy who had uh, kind of, um, high expectations coming into the year a little bit younger than Pascal of course um somebody who the Pacers fans will never forget about because he was uh he was picked right after TJ Leaf um and he was <laughs> right from right underneath the noses uh, at IU um I mean he's been tremendous he started off the year really slow uh, his shot wasn't falling but now over the last seven games like 16 16 points six boards 51 percent from the field 56 from three on six a game I mean playing damn well and he's one of the probably five best wing defenders in the nba right now uh at least by my my calculations um what have you thought of him lately and i think that's that's in in looking at the matchup too he's going to be tough uh really tough for the pacers to cover here's the thing with og i think and we just talked about pascal siakam of course i think seeing the the growth that siakam experienced in such a short period of time a lot of people expected OG to kind of take similar leaps and obviously to go from a a zero to hero in a way like Siakam did you can't expect everyone on the Raptors to to go down that same path I mean the Raptors developmental system is fantastic and sure like we're seeing it with Chris Boucher right now I think Boucher is someone who's making those leaps and bounds that a lot of people expected OG to but OG has certainly shown some improvement I think he relies on his three-point shot a lot but his percentages are pretty steady defensively is that's his bread and butter 
I think, like you said, he's one of the top wing defenders in the entire association right now. And I've kind of made this joke on my own podcast that I kind of see a little bit of Kawhi Leonard light in OG Ananobi. I don't think he'll ever become the superstar mm-hmm. that Kawhi Leonard is. But I think if he can even come close to being someone similar uh, to Kawhi, like lest we forget that during that whole playoff run that the Raptors won the championship, OG wasn't even a part of it. Yeah. He was injured the the whole time. I believe it was the appendectomy that he had. So mm-hmm. he, he lost out on precious time next to Kawhi Leonard. But even during the regular season, playing underneath someone like him, someone you can model your game after, I think we're, we're seeing signs of that in OG right now. I think he has a lot long way to go in terms of like uh, creating off the dribble, uh, I want him to become more of a playmaker in that regard. But for right now, what the Raptors need from him is being a top tier wing defender and hitting those open threes. And he's certainly providing that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I got one more question before we I'll, I'll turn it over to you and let you ask me some questions about the Pacers and then we'll dive into the matchup. But uh, um, one thing that I've, I've kind of been thinking about lately that is, and this is not to like stir the pot a little bit, but um, I believe I know Masai's deal has not been reworked. And I, if I remember correctly, Bobby Webster's is not either. Yeah. Don't um, remind me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about this, like just kind of given the state of like, I really do think that um, everything is going to kind of write like this, like, like we mentioned, the ship is really already starting to write and things are looking uh, definitely better, but um, it's certainly kind of a precarious spot to be in um, considering that, that, you know, where the franchise is at, you know, Kyle is on an expiring right now. Um, and he is the franchise player, regardless of how old he is. I think Kyle Lowry could be 45 and he'd still be the franchise player in Toronto. Like I think he's probably the most synonymous guy with an organization in the league right now. Um, but you just look at where the team's at, how everything is going. Um, is that kind of weighing on you at all? Or, or how much are you kind of thinking about that? Or is that kind of something that, uh, you know, fans are, uh, maybe uh, bringing up a lot? Well, you can't see me right now, but uh, my brother, for a birthday gift, a gift uh, a little while ago, he purchased me a replica Toronto Raptors NBA championship ring, mm-hmm. and I keep it here at my desk whenever I do my recording. So, and even when I'm on Twitter and people are starting to get depressed about the current situation, maybe the record, maybe Masai Ujiri not having a new deal, the possibility of Kawhi, uh, of Kyle Lowry leaving, I just look at my championship ring and just say, you know what? It's not the worst in the world. I thought I was going to go my whole life and never see the Raptors win an NBA championship. And lo and behold, 2019 happened. So it kind of eases my anxiety, my anxiety in a, a little bit. But uh, to answer your question here, yeah, it, you know, with Messiah Jerry not being locked up, which I thought was a formality at this point, mm-hmm. I thought MLSC was going to do everything in their power to keep this guy. And that still may be the case. I know he said on several in- instances that he was more focused on keeping some of the other guys around. Uh, Fred Van Vliet obviously got his new contract, Siakam as well, keeping OG. And we'll see what happens with Kyle Lowry. Maybe the season goes south, continues to go south, and he becomes a valuable trade chip before the deadline. I would like to see him go to a, a, maybe his hometown, Philadelphia 76ers, somewhere where he can realistically win a championship. But for the Raptors' long-term future anyway, I think having a three-person core of Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi is still going to keep you competitive. Uh, a lot of Raptors fans, including myself, were hopeful that uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo would have ended up uh, north of the border, but obviously he elected to stay in Milwaukee, so that dream is wasted. Uh, and maybe, you know what, with Messiah Ujiri, uh, expect the unexpected. I never expected that Kawhi Leonard trade to happen, especially for the price they got him at. So I think, you know, the, the wheels are always turning in that guy's brain. 
Uh, I do expect him to remain with the Raptors unless, you know, if, if he does leave, I think it's going to be something outside of basketball. I don't see him joining another organization, but don't hold me to that. Of course, I don't want to have uh, old takes exposed. On hey, my yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll call up clutch points right now. We have a graphic being made. So. Yeah, man. Oh, clutch points. Love those guys. Yeah. Love those graphics. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Raptors, a lot of question marks, uh, but it's been good for so long. And if it were to end this season or next or, or whenever at this point, it's been a hell of a ride i appreciate that mindset i uh i, I wish more people would embody that because i i uh to, to my regular listeners they are they're going to they're, they're already signing right now i get really frustrated with the title or bust mindset you know i think that that's uh something super prevalent right now i mean i grew i grew up in cleveland ohio so i didn't experience a, a championship in the city until 2016 um my condolences oh it's hey i actually think cleveland's a great city okay i, I love cleveland <laughs> i just uh i did not root for cleveland sports teams growing up for the most part um just because there was not a lot to root for other than a couple of indian seasons or i should just say cleveland baseball team now um but yeah no i think there's there's something to like i really enjoyed the Dwayne casey raptors teams even though they did lose in the playoffs like I love DeMar DeRozan. He was one of my favorite players growing up when I was a kid. Um, I just thought he was such a fun player. Him and Kyle, like their encore chemistry was fun. Like the one year when they won 60 games and, of course, set the franchise record and uh, and Dwayne got fired at the end of the year. But that, that regular season, like I just remember so many times turning on a Raptors game. You know, I'd, I'd get home from school and that, that'd be what I'd do. You know, I'd, I'd get my homework done. I'd eat dinner. And then I'd watch the Raptors play because they were so fun. And they played on national TV a lot that year. But um I don't know. Obviously, winning a title is huge. It's important. It's a it's a great milestone. It's a it's a great thing for a community. But um, I, you can't replace seasons like that. I think you get a lot out of those. At least in my opinion, I think you do. Those were fun years with Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry. At least the regular season. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just forget about anything after James. March. <laughs> didn't happen as far as I'm concerned. But that yeah. LeBron James guy, man, the LeBronto yeah. memes. They were out in full force, and uh, those were hard. Those were tough pills to swallow. But the regular season, if you just include that, good times. I'll never forget in uh, in 2018 when LeBron was going left and hit that floater after running full court. Uh, I think it was in Game Three. It was game three or game four, uh, and Toronto was going to win, but he hit that buzzer. That was one of the best buzzer beaters I think I've ever seen. I, I want to say he banked it uh, off the left side of the glass. It's ridiculous. Sorry, to, to, I don't mean to keep diving, you know, diving the dagger home, but it's uh, memories, man. Not cool, man. Not cool. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, hey, you're not coming back. It's okay. You can finish <laughs> the podcast out. You could have followed me after, man. But. Um, so I'll turn it over to you, though. What questions do you have about the Pacers going in? What are your thoughts on them so far this year? Um, I know for a lot of people, even for me, I mean, it's been very different watching them this year and how they play, um, how some of the rotations kind of uh, figure out and some of the personnel is different, too. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on Indiana and kind of any uh, any thoughts going into the matchup for uh, for tomorrow and, and, and Monday as well? I think my number one question is, uh, what is it going to cost to get to the Toronto Raptors' Miles Turner? He would fit <laughs> our team perfectly right now. Yeah, man. Uh, it's still, So this is actually a really funny question. Um, I, I was talking about this on another podcast a couple days ago. Um, and I think, obviously, Gordon Gordon Hayward was was the big target for a lot of organizations this summer um, or this past free agency. It felt like summer because it's so used to it being summer. Um, and the, the reported offer was Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and a first-round pick. Um, and now, first of all, I mean – 
the Celtics are kicking themselves for not making that deal. Um, that yeah. is a lot to offer up for Gordon Hayward. Uh, I mean, Gordon Hayward's really good. He's the best player in that deal. By far. I still think he's a better player than Miles, frankly. I mean, he's playing at like an all-star level right now. Um, obviously, the money is a lot. Um, I, I was not under the pressure. I, I, from what I knew, I think uh, Gordon was going to be uh, four for 100 if he came here. So it would have been 25 million a year, which still is a lot. He would have been the highest paid player on the team. But, I mean, I think you look at that. Um, I mean, Miles's trade value is, is definitely even higher now. Um, so I, I have no idea what, what what the price would be for him. But, uh, I mean, he's been ridiculously good. Uh, legit defensive player of the year candidate this year, uh, if not the front runner. Um, and he's made a lot of subtle improvements offensively that I actually just wrote about and uh, posted an article on yesterday. Um, he's been He's been awesome. He's been really, really damn good. And it's kind of funny, too, because he's the longest tenured pacer but he's still only 24. Um, right. He's kind of remarkable, but yeah, he's, uh, he's fantastic. He's been, the, the Pacers would not have an above average or even average defense uh, without miles. Uh, and we saw that the last couple of games when he was not in out with the avulsion fracture in his hand, the Pacers let up like 120 points to the Clippers and got just got absolutely eviscerated. Uh, well, if Miles Turner ever decides uh, to pull a Kevin Porter Jr. or a J.R. Smith and start oh, throwing man. food in the locker room, uh, just just putting it out there, the Toronto Raptors are in desperate need of a five-man right now to pair alongside Chris Boucher, someone who could stretch the floor, obviously block a, a ton of shots. But I'm certainly jealous uh, of you guys having Miles Turner. Uh, another question for you, because obviously he came from our coaching staff. What are your thoughts so far on – Nate Bjorkren, you know, uh, uh, under the tutelage of Nick Nurse, he's obviously done a lot of good for you guys. Yeah, I really like him. Um, it, it's it's kind of funny because he's he's very different from from old Nate. It sounds very uh, dismissive to say old Nate, but it's just easier to say <laughs> yeah. new Nate and old Nate. Uh, but I mean, Nate McMillan was called you know Sarge was like his his nickname because uh, that was his demeanor a little bit. Um, Nate Bjorkman is just different, you know, like I, I think, and not even necessarily in like a good or bad way, just, just a different personality. Um, very, like he ends every single media session saying, thanks guys. Like, it's just kind of funny. Like, he, <laughs> like, um, no, I, I like him a lot. I think he's done a lot of good things. The offense has been the biggest thing for me that I've really liked. Um, the, the offense last year was, there would be one action. And if it didn't work, it was, it just went to an isolation and that did not work very well. Um, as you could see in the playoffs and, and during the regular season, the offense wasn't that great either. Uh, now, I mean, there's a lot of motion in the offense there. It's the, the, the ATOs, um, the sidelines out of bound plays, just anything that can be drawn up is done well and executed well. And that is such a big difference from the last couple of years. Um, the, I do have questions about the defense because they're, they're playing a very aggressive style of defense and it was really good for the first, uh, first week or two. Um, and it hasn't been as effective lately and partially because, I mean, Domas Sabonis is playing the most minutes in the NBA currently. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon is in the top 10 as well, I believe, or right about there. Yeah. Now, he was until like the last game or two. Um, and that's something that, that he's been asked about, you know, like, why are they playing so much? Especially because, I mean, Sabonis is coming off of a foot injury um, and Brogdon is a super injury prone guy throughout his career. Uh, so, you know, again, they're, they're, their uh, their practice load has been less than a ton, but that's been a question for me minutes and, and how that factors into defense. And also um, it's more the front office too. I mean, both him and the front office, you know, part of the reason why they were ready to move on from Nate McMillan and to move towards Nate Bjorken was because they wanted to 
uh, develop younger guys and, and get them a chance um, and, and play a deeper bench and, and be more variable. And while Nate has been way more variable on what he's running on court and being willing to change things up, he's running basically an eight and a half man rotation, um, which, yeah. you know, considering how far into the year it is, it's a, it's a little a little bit concerning for me. Um, just because that's, you know, not what I was under the impression of what was going to happen. Like Edmund Sumner uh, is, I, I guess, one of the young guys on the team. He's, he's older than I am, but uh, he's still a young guy. Um, I mean, I guess I am a young guy too, so that's <laughs> not, not to flex on you. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, he played two minutes last night after, you know, playing three or four straight games of really good basketball. Goga Bataze, who was the first-round pick two years – well, I guess – not this past draft, but the draft before. So I guess it's two years. Right. It's just so so muddled now. Um, but he did not play in a complete blowout when Miles Turner didn't play. When Miles Turner wasn't there, so there was one center on the team, um, Jakar Sampson, who is nominally the backup center, was unavailable too. And Goga Batadze was a, a healthy DNP, um, and he's a first round pick. You know, regardless of whether or not you think he's ready, I think you have to get him out there. And, and he was asked about that as well. Um, but he also didn't play again last night against Orlando. And they're one of the few teams that, that also runs two centers at the same time. So um, th- there are a lot of really good things with Nate, but I think overall, I, I do have questions about um, how this season is going to play out. Grand, I mean, there are a ton of injuries and everything too. So it makes things different. But um, the biggest thing though, is that the, the guys really go to bat for him. Like they love him. It's been really cool to see how much they, they just like, Every single uh, presser, you know, once he got hired was just about how funny is to be around and how he cares about them and um, how excited they are to play for him. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of really good things. I think I get a little bit too focused on, uh, on the bad things, but that's, that's partially my job. But, uh, yeah, I think th- things have been – I would give it a B, B plus so far with how things are with Nate. Well, I'm happy to hear you guys are taking good care of him out there in Indiana. I mean, I, I really like your team. I, I have a affinity for teams that don't have like maybe a top 10, top t- 15 player in the league and they mm-hmm. continue to win basketball games. And the Pacers are the definition of that. Just a lot of, a couple of all-star caliber players, obviously Sabonis being a being an all-star and, and Malcolm Brogdon, the success that he has, one of the best shooters in the league. I really like that trade. Uh, bringing in Karis Levert, obviously, it's unfortunate what's happened with the, you know, the kidneys and whatnot. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but once he comes back, I mean, instant offense for you guys. I remember the Raptors net series that we had in the bubble oh, where it was, so good. it was kind of like a formality that it was going to be probably a sweep and or maybe five games because the Raptors always seem to lose game one yep. against a, a lesser opponent. But Karis Levert clearly uh, was one of the standouts of that Nets team. So I'm excited to see what he does in Indiana whenever he does decide to come back. And yeah, I mean, going into these next two games, I mean, Indiana can put five guys on the floor that could torch you from the outside. I mean, Sabonis likes to shoot threes. Maybe he, he shouldn't be as, as much as he is. And Miles Turner, you, you put him at the top of the three-point line. He can bury you. And Doug McDermott is, you know, we have this joke in Raptors Twitter. He's like the Gerald Henderson, who a guy you <laughs> never expect to come out of nowhere and just decides to torch the Raptors whenever they play. So I expect him to have a couple of good games over this next stretch. But yeah, man, I I, I like the Pacers. I used to work with a guy named Joe Wolfond, who was one of my, uh, my my recent guest on the Walder Sportscast, and he's always been 
repping the Indiana Pacers when no one else seemingly would, uh, especially in a city like Toronto. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to these next two games. I think they're going to be a good test for the Raptors. You know, obviously some of their victories this season, you know, at the Sacramento Kings, the Charlotte Hornets, you know, teams that you don't expect to be there at the end of the season fighting for a playoff spot. And then their most recent win, which was impressive because the Raptors started to look like the Raptors again. It was against the Miami Heat squad that, was without Jimmy Butler, without Tyler Hero. They were missing some other guys. I think this is going to be a good, solid test for the Raptors. If they can keep that defensive intensity up, keep Indiana from uh, lighting it up from three-point range, keep Sabonis at bay, uh, you know, best-case scenario, obviously, is they take these next two games, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, I feel really similarly. I think this is a, a good litmus test uh, for where Indy's at right now. Um you know, especially they've, they've dropped a couple games of late and obviously got back on the on the rung a little bit after beating Orlando. Um, you know, like it's it's funny, though, that you mentioned Doug McDermott. I don't know if you're aware of this because this is something that uh, is more just in the in the Pacers community. I actually have, I have to pull up the stats right now, but I, it, this this is something that I always love bringing up to people who, who aren't aware. So both these games are at the field house in Indiana. Right. Yeah. Um, Doug McDermott has uh, this is his third year in Indiana. And every single year in Indiana, he has the the biggest differential swing um, between home and away games. He plays way better in away games. Like the shooting percentages are, are absurd. I'm pulling up the, the the stuff right now. I'll probably have to edit this part out. But like it is uh, like he, I think it's it's almost like a 15 percent difference in, in shooting percentage. Wow. Uh, all three years. And it's held true this year already to start. <laughs> and uh, he's been asked about it before. And he's like, man, I have no idea. Like why, um, you know, people have brought up sight lines to me before. I, I, I have no idea what the sight lines are really, if they're really that different in the field house compared to anywhere else. Um, but regardless, it's one of the really just rare things. Like I have no idea how to even uh, put it into, uh, into perspective really. Look, the fact that you guys could even play on your home court, you guys <laughs> okay, are that's, fortunate that enough to do that. that Don't remind point. me the Tampa Bay Raptors and all this crap. They're not even in Canada. Thank you, COVID. So the fact that you guys are in your home base and you can play on your home court, you guys obviously have no fans in the stands. Uh, right? There are some. I think they're oh, there are in like some? a thousand, okay. which I'm not the biggest fan of, but um it's happening. We kicked out, we kicked out all, all of our fans, you know, quote unquote fans, you know, the people from Tampa that are in yeah. the area. Well, how Moving. is that for you? That has got to be weird, you know, having everything uh, in in Tampa. Well, they stopped. Uh, they stopped letting in fans, thank God, because there yeah. were there were times when our own players were getting booed, and uh, the ovations were much louder for the opposition, which was kind of disheartening because I think one of the the things that the Raptors have always had is one of the top fan bases. You know, I don't oh, know if yeah. you've ever seen them in the playoffs, but uh, the Jurassic Park. Oh, right yeah. Jurassic of Park Scotiabank Arena. Like, it's awesome. You, you don't see that in the regular season as much, but the Raptors fans are loyal. They show up all of the time. So, obviously, it, there's not a lot you can do with the COVID restrictions going back and forth between countries. So, it's totally understandable. But if anyone out there thinks that it's not having an effect, on the Raptors this season, just the being comfortable in your own, in your own housing, you know, in your own practice facilities, things that these guys have become used to. And now they're in a different, a different state. They're in a different building. They're getting used to all these different things. Yeah. Like they're human beings. 
at the end of the day. And I think it has taken an adjustment period for them to just kind of get into a, a new routine and, and hopefully it doesn't continue to be an issue for them. But all of these other teams, I think someone in the league, maybe it was Adam Silver said the Raptors are going to get repaid uh, for having to deal with all of this crap. So if that means getting the number one pick in the lottery, if they fail, oh, the yeah. playoffs, Cade, Cade, it to yeah, me, Cade, uh, Cade to Toronto, Cade would be nice in Toronto. Cade will be nice anywhere, but tank for Cade, man. Tank yeah. for Cade. <laughs> hey, no, it's fade for Cade. Come on. You got to get it right. Whatever. It's, it's my own hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, well, all right. This is the last thing. This is this is the disparagement just because I pulled it up. I forgot. It's even worse than I thought. So in, in 2018, 19, uh, Doug McDermott shot. And this is, you know, he played 38 games at home, 39 games uh, away. He shot 18 percent better from three at away games. He shot seven percent better from the field at away games. In 2019-20, he shot 20% better from three in away games and 12% better from the field in away games. And this year, he is currently shooting 16% better from three and 16% better from the field on away games. Well, trade it to the Raptors, man. Every game is an away game. <laughs> yeah. Let, so let him pay, play for the Raptors against it. No, I'm I'm okay with him not. He's He's been incredible this year, honestly. 72 but. away games, man. That That's shot is going to be lit the entire season <laughs> never no miss. home games yeah, i mean he's scoring like 15 points per game in away games right now he's been ridiculous yeah 15 points on 60 percent from the field and 50 percent from three on five attempts a game like you can't make it up he's a complete I'm saying, thrower, but pair up pair him with miles turner we'll come up with a package man we'll just we'll make it happen hey i mean call kevin pritchard it's not up to me but uh we'll see what, what's we'll his see what number there. Uh, Come on, I, you man! Know, you're in the know. You have his hey, hey, I don't. I have no idea what his number is, but uh, you could uh, just add him on Twitter. See what happens. I don't know. All Actually, right, don't right. do that. That's like one of the cringiest things people do. I hate when people like at uh, you know team officials. It's uh, it, it bothers me a little bit. But look, I've been adding Vince Carter uh, recently to get him on my podcast. So there's no different. low. He's, I will not sing tired now. So that's that's different. But like if somebody actively like working, I'm like I don't know, but tampering from twitter <laughs> exactly tampering from twitter it's a good pod name um well chris this was <laughs> a lot running. of fun man i i really appreciate you doing this um before i get you out of here let people know you know where where can people find you obviously i'll have a link to your pod uh, down below um but yeah what's uh what's going on and what's exciting that you want people to know about well thanks for having me man i, I really appreciate you inviting me on and uh again this might be one of the the last times that I talk Indiana Pacers basketball <laughs> for most of the season. But again, I appreciate the invite and uh, yeah, to everybody out there listening, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder sports. That's W A L D E R D as in dog. And uh, yeah, listen to my podcast, uh, the Walder sports cast, uh, download me, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podbean, all of those good spots and uh, support the pod. And of course, of course, support this pod as well. Like this was a, this was a great time, man. And uh, Indiana Pacers fans are, are lucky to have you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Chris. Um, to everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Of course, go follow Chris everywhere. Uh, rate and review his pod, rate and review our pod, you know, just uh, have a good rest of your day. And again, thank you for listening and go Pacers.